So I'm super excited to be able to bring you guys the message today. And this whole entire week, we've been talking about min-maxing your faith. And what exactly does, does that mean? I, Pastor Susie mentioned it a couple weeks ago that we were going to be talking about min-maxing. And honestly, apparently I'm not a gamer because I looked at them and I said, I don't even know what min-maxing actually means. I even play MMOs, okay? I play Final Fantasy XIV and I had no idea what min-maxing actually meant. And essentially what it's talking about is talking about trying to really nitpick the very little things in your gaming, when, when you're playing video games, to output more healing, to output more damage so that you can continue getting better and better and better. And so this week, we've been talking about min-maxing your faith, how to grow deeper in your faith, something that helps you to grow deeper in your faith so you can continue moving forward with God in your life. And so I'm going to be talking today. We're going to go back to some of the basics, Christianity 101, okay? We're going to be going back to some of the basics. But before I get into that, let me pray over us right now. Let's pray. God, as we come before you right now, I pray, Lord, that we would just continue diving into your presence. I pray that we'd be praising your name. I pray, Lord, that as we take a look at our lives, as we evaluate ourselves, Lord, that we would be true, that we would, we, would be, we would be speaking truth to ourselves, Lord, about where we're at in our lives, about where we're at in our relationship with you. And so, God, as we do this, I pray that you would work inside of us to change us, to change who we are, so that we can continue doing your work, doing your purpose, and running hard after you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, this week, what I'm going to be talking about today specifically, it's going to be called maintenance check. It's going to be called maintenance check. There are so many different things in our lives that we need to be doing maintenance on, right? You, you have your car, maybe. You got to do maintenance on your car for a long stinking time. I bought my car when it was brand new back in 2010. It was a great car. It ran great, but unfortunately, over the years whether it was because of laziness or lack of funds. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to keep up with the maintenance. You, know, you guys know if you own a car, you know what the maintenance is. Every 3,000 miles, well, I, and we got new oil these days, but usually you need to be changing your oil once every three months or once every 3,000 miles. You got to rotate your tires once every six months so that your rotors don't get warped. You got to be changing your brake pads so that you can actually stop on the road and you don't ruin your rotors. You got to be changing the wheels. You got you to be doing so many different things with the car changing the filters there's so much you got to do so that your car can continue running longer so it can continue running stronger and unfortunately for me in my my brand new car that I bought over 10 years ago now well I'm not gonna lie on on Wednesday morning I got in my car and it was dead it, the engine didn't even try to turn over. All the lights on my, my dashboard just started flashing. The cold weather, something did it. I don't know what it was, but my battery is dead. But it happened last year that my battery was replaced. So I'm thinking, what did I do wrong? Well, I didn't keep up with the maintenance on my car the way that I was supposed to be keeping up with it. And there's other things that people do maintenance in as well. Game, game developers, when you're playing an MMO, right? I play, like I said, I play Final Fantasy XIV once every single week. Nobody can play the game for about two, three hours, and the servers go down. 
for what's called maintenance. And essentially what happens during this maintenance, there's not a big new patch that's coming out. What they do is they literally make sure the servers are running well. They work out a few bugs here and there so it can run better for the next week coming so it can have no flaws as the next week comes. And everybody continues playing the game once the service goes back up because the maintenance was done. But I truly believe that in our lives, we need to be doing a maintenance check as well. Throughout our entire lives, we can, we can be in church every single week. We can be putting on that face when we go in the church. Let me tell you, I was telling my experience group this a couple weeks ago. Sometimes I feel like the church, the church is the place we should walk through the doors and we should come in as the, the, the brokenness that's in our hearts. We should come through the doors with that brokenness showing. We should come through the doors with the hurt that's been going on in our lives, with the sins that we have done throughout the past week. But I feel like church today, we walk through the doors with a smile on our face. How are you doing? God is good. God's doing, you know, God's good. Yeah, that's great. But how are you doing? And we're I'm doing great this week. I'm doing phenomenal. But really, when you leave church, you still have that brokenness. You heard a good message. You're going to try to apply it to your life. You, you praise God and but really we should come in as the broken people that we are because unless we start showing our brokenness to each other, really the mending can't start fully until we continue to work it out with each other in fellowship with each other and obviously in fellowship with God. I truly believe that we need to be doing that. And so we need to be doing maintenance in our lives. And like I said before, we're gonna be going back to some of the basics of what a Christian life should look like. I feel like 1 John is really the best book that we need to go to to be able to look at all of these basic things because John is, he's, John is one, he's probably my favorite writer in the entire Bible. The book of John is my favorite book. book. Book of 1 John is my second favorite book, okay? I, I won't go into 2 John and 3 John, but because you, you guys might know what my second and third, the fourth favorite book of the Bible is. But he's a great writer, right? And, but the thing is, is we go into the book of 1 John, and he starts talking about all these different things that we should be looking like in our life, but we don't always do them. We're going to go over a few of those today. And I want you guys to think about, as I'm going through these points, what part of my life do I need to be fixing right now? What part of my life do I need to be min-maxing? Do I really need to drive hard in so I can continue having more faith in God, growing deeper in my faith? And so the first thing that, the first thing that we're going to look at and the first maintenance check that I want you guys to do is do not love the world. Do not love the world. It, in, in video games or in movies, there's normally two sides to everything. You have a good side, you have a bad side. You have the light, you have the darkness. You have the good and the evil, right? You, in The Legend of Zelda, you have Link, who's good. You have Ganon, who's really bad, okay? Harry Potter, Harry Potter, he's fighting on the good side. You have Voldemort fighting on the bad side, the evil side, right? You have uh, the Lord of the Rings, okay? You have Frodo and Sauron. Frodo is good, Sauron is bad, even though a ring comes into play and then Frodo gets a little bit interesting in the middle of it, but that's not the point. Point is, is there's a good side and there's a bad side. In our lives, there's a good and there's an evil as well. There's something that we're fighting against in our lives. There's temptation that comes in. There's things that happen in our lives that are evil, and unfortunately, because we have darkness that lives in, that, that is inside of us, our human nature, we sometimes go that way. And so I want to read for you guys from the book of 1 John, it's chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 to start. And it says this, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God 
is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So the first thing that we see in verses 5 and 6, that God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. There's so many times in our lives, though, we feel like there's our fellowship with God is not going well. Verse 6 starts talking about fellowship with God, and it says that we have fellowship with him if we're walking in light, but if we're walking in the darkness, we don't have fellowship with him. I can tell you on many occasions in my life, there's been times where I was kind of like, you know, God, I, why don't I have great fellowship with you right now? And sometimes I even thought, maybe it's God's fault. God's putting, he's got too much pressure on me. He, he's allowing these things happen in my life, these problems to happen in my life. Obviously, there's something wrong that God is doing when really if I took a look at my life, I took a look, evaluated myself, there was a problem with me because these verses tell us that God is light and there is no darkness. There is no darkness in him at all. So I have to take a look at my life and realize, is there something in my life that I need to change? Is there something that's preventing me from walking in the light so I continue walking in the darkness? And now I'm not saying that God is not going to move in your life at all because, it, you know, let, let me put it this way. I'm not saying that God is not going to answer your prayers because you specifically have something going on wrong in your life. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying, there might be something that you're doing right now in your life that is preventing God from moving in you. How many times have you thought, God, why don't you take me out of this situation? God, why aren't you moving in my life? It doesn't make any sense. I've been doing all the things I need to do for you. I've been going to church every single week. I've been praising your name. I've been reading my Bible. Why aren't you moving but maybe there's something deep down that you don't recognize something in your life that is darkness. Something that you should not have been doing th this whole entire time. As we go into verse 6 for a second, I want to tell you guys something. Don't get fellowship mixed up with salvation. Fellowship does not mean salvation here. It does not say if we say we have salvation in him. No, it says if we have fellowship with him. We have fellowship with God. But I want to ask you something. Is there something in your life right now that's preventing you from having fellowship with God? Is there something that you're hiding behind? Is there something that's deep down that's hidden inside of your heart that, you, that nobody else knows about? a deep, dark secret that you don't want anybody to know about, let me tell you something. There's a lot of times that we have these things in our heart. Unless we're truly bringing them to God and we understand and recognize that whatever it is that's in our lives is wrong, we can't have a perfect, complete fellowship with God. But then we get to verse 7. And I want to ask you guys one more question. Is there something in your life that's preventing you from walking in the light once again? There's so many times, like I said, we're walking in the darkness. But as I ask that question, we're going to move into kind of a sub-point from do not love the world. We're actually going to go into the do not love the world section that 1 John talks about. And I want to bring you guys to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. 
And it says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desire of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let me, let me, let me say something real quick here. I'm going to define world for you guys here because world right here, it's not talking about the earth or anything like that. It's talking about the sinful nature of man, not loving your sinful nature, okay? And, and we see here that love is being used a lot in these verses, okay? And love is a really, really, really strong word. And we're going to talk about love in just a minute. Love is a super strong word, though. And so it's talking about how John is saying you can't love Christ and love your sin. You can't love the world and you can't love Christ at the same exact time. It's not possible. They can't coexist. And I would go as far to say this. If you are loving the things of the world, you are hating the things of Christ. If you're loving the things of Christ, then you're hating the things of the world. And you're saying, whoa, that's, that's a little bit too much. Love is a really strong word, okay? And so we're going to use the strongest word that we can apart from love, which is hate. So if you're loving your sin, if you are indulging in it, and I'm not talking about those of you that are struggling with something. There's a difference between struggle and habitually living in something on a daily basis. I've had people come to me and try to justify what they're doing, saying that it's okay. It's okay because I'm picking this verse out of the Bible. I'm going to pick this verse out, but I'm not going to look at the entire context of it. I'm going to take it completely out of context to justify what I'm doing so I can make God a convenient God for me, so I can continue living the life that I want to live. And that's just, that's just not right. We can't do that. Like I said, loving Christ and loving sin at the same time, it doesn't happen. It does not coexist. You can't do that. I want to re- reread for you guys. Verse 17. And the world is passing away along with its desires. The world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. All the things, all the sins in your life, no matter what it is, if you're hiding behind your screen in your computer room looking at sites you shouldn't be looking at on a daily basis. Maybe, maybe somebody in here struggles with swearing, struggles with alcohol. They, they get drunk on a daily basis. Let me tell you something. The, the, the happiness, the, 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 the relief that you get so you don't have to wake up in this painful world right away and you just get a couple of hours of relief from it. These things are not gonna give you any healing at all. This verse even tells us that these desires that you have, this sinful nature that's in your heart, these things that you are showing love to, that you are habitually doing every day, it's gonna pass away. You know what's gonna happen then? Unfortunately, when all that passes away and you've been rejecting the things of God, you've been rejecting Jesus Christ, there's a place called hell. A lot of people proclaim that they're followers of Jesus or that they love Jesus, but there's a lot of people that are just loving their sin as well at the same time. Like I said, those two things cannot coexist. 
And I know this is, for some of you, might be really convicting and hard to hear. But the reason why I'm telling you this is because I want us to realize sometimes we become, as Pastor A.J. Valdez was talking about last night, we get a little bit too complacent in our faith. We're okay with where we're at. We don't want to move forward. We don't, you know, but as we're not moving forward, we don't recognize that we're gradually moving backwards little by little by little, just continuing to move backwards. So I want to tell you guys this out of love because I want you guys to see that your faith can grow if you're continuing to do the things of God, if you're walking in the light and not loving the things of the world. Christ is forever. All of these things, the, the alcohol, the pornography, the swearing, the rage, all these things, they are temporary. But the things of Christ are forever. Second point I want to bring to you guys, and this is, this is, this is a big one, okay? This is going to be a big one for some of you. Love one another. Oh, oh my goodness, guys. Love, oh, I, when I read this, when I read these verses and I look around at other people around me, and I even check myself sometimes, I have to check what I'm saying. I, it, we do not practice loving one another nearly the way that we should or as much as we should. Sometimes it can be really hard to show forgiveness for people, especially when they did something wrong to you. I'll give you guys an example, personal example. About six years ago, I was in a job. I was working in a group home uh, as a caregiver. I was in the job for about five years. And after four and a half years or so, I got promoted to a supervisor. And unfortunately, during that time when I got promoted to a supervisor, there was a big changeover happening in, inside of the group home. And so the boss, my boss changed completely. And you ever get that feeling when you, when you start talking to somebody? You haven't even had a full conversation with them, but you already know that the person just does not like you, okay? You say, hey, they say, hi, there's no reason for it, but you're just like, in your heart, you're like, oh. They don't like you. You like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta dot my eyes. I gotta cross every T. I gotta do everything I can to get on this person's good side because they already don't like me. You see the that that slight twinge in their eye. You know, it's not like a glare of death. You know, something that some of the husbands in here know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Amen. Anyways, but you think about it, and you got you, this person is just you just know that they don't like you. This is what happened to me. I even had a full conversation with this person. She asked me one question, and immediately I knew she didn't like me. She just asked me, what's the group home like here? Why would that even give me that feeling? It doesn't make any sense. But the thing is, I knew in that moment that she didn't like me at all. And so I didn't have somebody above me, right above me, to be able to train me in being a supervisor. But even apart from that, this lady, for the next four months, I had been there, remember, for five years for the next four months, months, she lied about everything that I did. She started pinning things on me that never even happened. She, she was lying about everything. She was, she was making up things as she went along just to get me out of the house. I don't know what I did wrong. And I got really upset as this process was going on. Then eventually, after four months of her being there, I got, I, I, got, I got a call at work, got sent to the HR office, and they said, well, unfortunately, with these things and this evidence against you, we're terminating you from your job. I have a wife to take care of. I, was, I, I had a place to pay for. 
right? I was making more money than my wife at the time. And so I, I was like, how are we going to pay our bills? This doesn't make any sense, God. What's going on here? And I'll tell you, I went home that day and I, I've, I've, many of you know this, I dealt with a lot of rage in my life. And at that point, I had been very successful in dealing with a lot of the rage that I struggled with. I got better and better and better until I thought it was all gone. But let me tell you, the rage came out that day a little bit. I, I, I never self-harmed or did anything like that, but there's a couple of dents in that refrigerator at that apartment that's, that's in there. I'm very sorry to the landlord, you know. But the thing is, is there's a couple of dents in the refrigerator because I was so upset. And then what happened after that was I remember curling up into a ball, getting into my bed, turning out the lights, turn on golf maybe, I think I turned on Everybody Loves Raymond at that point because my name's Raymond, so I needed something to make me feel better. And then I started having vengeful thoughts. Revenge. I could send this email to her. I could, I even, I even had the thought of slicing her tires. Like these were, I was so upset. I was so mad. I would go as far to say, probably was having a lot of hateful thoughts about her in my mind in that moment. How could I forgive a person that just took away everything from me? Took away my job, took away the finances that I, she even knew I was trying to buy a house at that point in Connecticut. And I praise God that I got fired from that job because I no longer live in Connecticut anymore. Amen. I would have to still pay off that house. I wouldn't be here right now. So thank you to whoever you are that fired me from that job. But the thing is, is I had so many hateful thoughts going through my head in that point. I wasn't showing love to others. I want to bring you guys real quick all the way back to Genesis. Verse 12 starts talking about Cain. So I want to bring you guys to Genesis. It's going to be chapter 4, verses 5 through 10. We're going to go through it a little bit slowly, though. First verse in verse 5, it says this, But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. There is something going on here with Cain. Okay, Cain had brought an offering to God. God rejected it. The reason why? Because it wasn't Cain's first fruits. And so Cain became very angry, very angry. He had rage. You see a connection there between me and Cain? He had some rage going on in his life. And then it says, and his face fell. My face fell. I became a little bit depressed that day. I got into my bed. I curled up in a ball. When my wife came home, she knew what happened, and she bought me some of my favorite foods, some shells from a specific store, some macaroni and cheese shells that I used to love, and some loaded baked potatoes. Amen. You know what I looked at her and said? I started crying, and I said, we can't even afford this food anymore. I was so hurt. I was so done. Verses 6 and 7. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. You must rule over it. God warned Cain. God warned me as well when I was going through this time of depression, when I was having these vengeful thoughts in my head. God was saying, don't do those things. Don't send that email. I know you really want to hit enter right now. I know you want to send that email. 
Don't send that text to that person. You don't need, it's, it's not worth it. And so I didn't. But unfortunately for Cain, he didn't just stop there with his vengeful thoughts. He didn't stop when God warned him that there was something that was going to come. He continued down a path of destruction. Verse 8, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Cain fell into the sin in that moment. And then verses 9 and 10, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Cain lied about his sin, and he tried to hide it. Sometimes I really believe that we're so good at hiding our sins that we hide them from ourselves. I really believe that. There's times that we try to justify it so much we try to continue justifying what we're doing. It's okay because the Bible says this. I'm just going to take this one verse out of the Bible. I actually had one time, had somebody come to me. And he said, hey, can, can we have a conversation for about an hour or so? Uh, something that I'm going through right now. I said, absolutely. I'd love to give you any godly advice that I can give. And I had a conversation with this individual. Something that was going on with his mom at the time. It was a, it was a tough conversation for him to have. So I went through the whole entire conversation. I won't go into specifics about it, but at the end of it, 45 minutes later of talking to this person, he said to me, he said, well, I thank you, Pastor Boz, for meeting with me for the past 45 minutes and for all the advice that you gave to me, but I don't think I'm going to take it. Okay. I realized in that moment, this person did not come to me to get advice. He came to me so he could have somebody who's a pastor to justify what he was doing in the disobedience to God and to his parents saying, it's okay to do this, but it wasn't. And I wasn't about to justify him. And so what he was coming for was to justify it. And I ask you today, have you ever justified something that you're doing in your life currently right now? Justifying, it's just a little bit of a peek. It's just, it's just going to the bar with my friends to have a couple of drinks, even though you know that's a place that, a situation that you shouldn't be putting yourself into. It's just this, it's just that. We start to justify it in our lives, and we hide the sin from ourselves, and eventually we don't even recognize in our lives that we've been sinning. And I think that happens with hatred towards other people too. Well, this person did this to me, I can't forgive them, justifying it. You're justifying it. You can forgive the person. If Jesus Christ, who was on the cross, could forgive the people around him who were spitting on him, who were mocking him, who were whipping him, and you have that power living inside of you, you can be forgiving those people as well. You can forgive the person that did you wrong. Even though you didn't do anything wrong, you have the power to forgive those people. Don't justify it. Don't sit down and say, it's okay for me to do this. Sit down, stand up for, stand up for yourself, and say, okay, I have the power of Christ living inside of me. And I'm not going to allow this to happen anymore. I am going to forgive this person. And like pa Pastor Susie was talking about relationships last week, we need to remove some and we need to restore some, okay? But the thing is, is when you remove a relationship, that doesn't mean that you didn't forgive the person. You do it out of love. You love the person. It's a toxic relationship that's hurting your life. You remove it, but you remove it with love. And you forgive that individual as well. Loving 
one another. I would go as far to say this. Verse 14 and 15 specifically shows evidence that if you are not showing love in your life, that you are not born again. I would go as far to say this. If you're not showing love in your life to other people, I question your salvation. I question your salvation. If you look at the conversations that you have with other people, other individuals in the discord, other people inside of maybe your local church, inside of your family, if you're not showing love to those people, I question your salvation because there should be evidence, as 1 John says here, that when we're loving other people, that shows that we are saved, that we are born again. Then there's going to be a lot of people in here, but Pastor Boz, 1 John is just talking about the brethren. It keeps saying the brothers. So it's just talking about the brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. It's not talking about the other people. If you have a problem loving your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, how are you going to continue following the command that Jesus gave to you in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, when he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you can't love your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ who are with you, who are surrounding you, if you can't have positive conversations with them and, not, and, 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 and you can't show them love, I don't believe that you can actually, in a, in a, in a, in a way, sh- any way, shape, or form, show your enemies love. It doesn't make any sense. And we need to check ourselves. What are the conversations that I'm having? Am I trying to bring down other people? I should be showing love to all people, loving one another. Verse 16 describes what real love is. Verse 16 of chapter 3. He says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. There's four types of love that I'm going to go through. We have eros, which is sexual love. Storge, which is familial love, you know, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, that type of love. There's phileo or philia, which is brotherly love. Many of you who live in America, there's a big city called Philadelphia. It's the reason why it's called the city of brotherly love. It's a, it's a unity of brothers in that way. And then there's a fourth type called agape. Agape love is unconditional. I have a definition I want to read for you guys from a man named David Guzik. It says this, A love without changing. It is a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. It is a love so great that it can be given to the unlovable or unappealing. It is love that loves even when it is rejected. Even when it is rejected. Agape love gives and loves because it wants to. It does not demand or expect repayment from the love given. It gives because it loves. It does not love in order to receive. I truly believe that we cannot attain this type of love for other people unless we have Christ living inside of us, unless Christ is working through our hearts. This is the type of love that we should not only have for our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, this is the type of love that we should have for other people as well. 
Because let me tell you, that one part when it says it is a love that loves even when it is rejected. Christ was rejected. He was rejected. Like I said, he had the crown of thorns. He was being whipped. And when he was on the cross and people were mocking him and spitting on him, most humiliating death, death ever. You know what he did? He didn't sit up there and say, God, strike them all down. I'm just waiting for your revenge. Jesus wasn't about to send that email. You shouldn't be doing this. Something bad's going to happen to you. No, you know what he said? He said, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So God, forgive them. Christ, like I said, can forgive others. And Christ is living inside of you. You have that power living inside of you. You can be forgiving others and having that type of agape love. We should be striving to have that love. And so I ask you today, is there somebody in your life that you need to forgive? Is there somebody in your life that you've been justifying so many times, day in and day out? There's no possible way I could forgive that person. Maybe there is. Maybe there is. Showing that agape love that Christ has for us. Come to the last point here to do our maintenance check. A lot of people are going to say, this, this, this point, this isn't basic Christianity. I would say that it is, though. Overcoming the world. Overcome the world. Let me read for you guys 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. It says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. If we're loving God, we're obeying his commandments. If we're obeying his commandments, we're loving the children of God. If we're loving the children of God, we're loving God. It's a circle. It's a circle of love that continues on and on, and that should be showing in our life. And then he says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. The, Christ, the commandments that we have been given should not be weighing us down on a daily basis. It shouldn't feel like we're chained to the floor because we can't do the things that we wish we could do. We want to love God. We want, and if we truly understood what Christ did for us, we want to do his commandments. It is a freeing thing to be able to do the things of Christ. It should not feel like a burden where it's weighing us down. Verse four, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We have Christ living inside of us. We have Christ living inside of us. And if he's living inside of us, Christ was one that had victory over the world. John chapter 16, verse 33 says this. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. You have the one who overcame the world living inside of your heart. And if he's living inside of your heart, basic Christianity, you should be overcoming the world as well. You should be able to overcome walking in the darkness. You should be able to overcome not loving the world. You shouldn't be loving the world. You should be able to overcome the love of others. You should be able to love others with that agape love, not showing hatred. 
the Bible even tells us that hatred is like murdering somebody. And if we're doing that habitually on a daily basis over and over and over again, it's just killing us from the inside out. We need to be showing love to others. And this is the way that we overcome the world. 1 John chapter 5, verse 5 says this, Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So I have a question for you today. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? If you do, and these things that I just talked about are lining up in your life, you're overcoming the world. You are overcoming the world. But maybe some of you, there's something that needs to be fixed in your life today. So, like I said before, I think we all need to do a maintenance check in our life sometimes to help our faith to grow deeper in God. Because if, if, we, if, we if we don't do these basic things, the foundations of our faith is going to crumble. And if the foundation of our faith is crumbling, everything else around it is going to be crumbling in our lives as well. If we are not doing a maintenance check on these basic things, like I said, I have to do it too. On a weekly basis, I look at some of these things. Have I been walking into darkness? Have I been loving Christ or have I been loving my sin? Do I have an agape love for others? Is there people in my life that I've been showing love to? But is there people that I've been showing hate to? So I'd ask you guys those three questions. For some of you, are you walking in the darkness or have you been walking in the light? Have you been loving your sin, loving the world, loving, loving your sinful nature? Or have you been loving Christ, the Son of God? And then finally, do you have an agape love for others? Are there people in your life that you need to forgive? Are there people life that, in your life that you need to show love to? Because if you are doing these things, that's what the Christian life should look like. And with these things, we can overcome the world. We can overcome the world. So I want you guys to do a maintenance check, check today. What areas in your life need to be fixed? Some of you right now, you might be thinking to yourself, ah, all these things, I, I'm not even a Christian. I don't even know who this Jesus guy actually is. Let me tell you, I, I want to give you an opportunity to be able to accept Jesus Christ into your life. If you want that light in your life, you want to be able to have that ability to love other people with an unconditional love that even though you've been rejected, Christ can still, in your life, change you. It is not too late. I've had a lot of people tell me, it's, it's too late for me. I've made my decision. It's not too late. It's not too late. Today, make today the day that you accept Christ into your life. Make today the day that you rededicate your life to God. Because you know that as I've been talking about these things, you know you've been fulfilling the desires in your heart. You know that you've been walking in darkness. Make today the day that you rededicate your life to Jesus. So I want to give you an opportunity right now to rededicate your life or to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Because Jesus Christ, he died on a cross for our sins. He came from his perfect place in heaven a perfect throne where there was no sin, there was no pain, no shame, and he came into a broken world where there was pain, 
where there's guilt, where there's shame, where there's people that he knew that would hurt him in the end, people that would reject him, people that would come, come and betray him. He knew that he was walking into it, but he did it for you anyways. And then he went to the cross and he had the most shameful, humiliating death that anybody could ever endure. And he went to the cross for you and died a painful death. But three days later, Christ rose from the grave. He showed love to you by rising from the grave that he knew what sins you were going to do. He knew the things you were going to do against him. He knew that, that you were going to be at enmity with him. But he wanted to die for you anyways. He wanted to die for you anyways. And he rose from the grave, breaking sin, the sin that you had in your life, breaking the guilt that you have, breaking the shame that you have, breaking through the grave, breaking through death, and rising to life again. And then because if we, when we accept Jesus Christ in our hearts, we can repent of our sins, we can turn away from those things that we used to do, we can turn away from hatred, turn away from our desires, turn away from the things of the world that we were just talking about, our sinful nature, and ask for forgiveness from God the Father so that our hearts can be cleansed so it will be as white as snow, so that one day when we stand in front of the Father, the Father will say, come in, my good and faithful servant. You've done well. And when we do that, when we accept Christ and we live for him, we can live for eternity in heaven where there is no pain, where there's just eternal, eternal life full of joy. And so I want to be able to give you guys the opportunity right now. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, or maybe you want to rededicate your life, I would ask you to pray this prayer after me. Dear God, I come before you right now. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe that he rose from the grave. And right now, God, I receive your mercy. I receive your grace and I receive your salvation. I commit my life to you. And Jesus, I ask that you would come and live inside of me. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those people? Put some hype in the chat right now for those of you that are accepting Jesus Christ right now. Let's give it up for those people right now. Amen. Amen. Guys, if you just made that decision right now to give your life to Christ, that is so exciting. You know, there's something that we like to do here. Um, when you give your life to Christ, we're going to celebrate with you because when you make that decision, you become a follower of Christ. You, you, you're into the family. It's a family of Christ. We are all family here. When I see the names in the chat here, we are all family. And something we like to do is we like to ask you to, to step out in faith a little bit and just say yes and let us know that you have made that decision. And it's not a way to embarrass you. It's just so we can come alongside you and just pray with you and just celebrate with you. So if you made that decision, I'd love for you to put a yes in the chat right now. And again, it's not calling you out. It is just letting you know that, that we love you. We want to pray for you, that we're here for you. And then we're just excited. We are absolutely excited because there is no better thing to be surrounded around the family of God. And so we're just so, so excited.